Hello and welcome to A Celtic World, the YouTube channel connecting Celtic fans all over the world. From Dunkeld to Dublin, Gala Shields to the Galapagos Islands. Wherever you happen to find yourself in the multiverse, you're part of a Celtic world. And who else is part of a Celtic world tonight? All the way in the land of Oz, we have the very regular, and I don't mean that in a toilet sense, but he's been on a lot recently. <laughs> Stephen, how are you? Yeah, well, it's true in both senses. <laughs> I get a share Good to know. Good to so, know. yeah, yeah. Uh, happy to be here, Gav. Looking to light a little bit, a little candle of positivity, maybe. Uh, but let's see how we go. That could be difficult, given that Ian is with us tonight. Ian, how are you doing in Wales? Yeah, uh, Kreusel, welcome to Wales. I am doing okay, all things um, considered. You know, I'll like see. I'm looking forward to the positivity that Stephen's going to bring. I'll, you know, I will be amazed if he's found some, but yeah, let's, uh, let's see. <laughs> well, there may be a wild card of positivity because we welcome for the first time joining us, Sean from Singapore. How's it going, Sean? All good, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Really looking forward to the show uh, this evening. Uh, just finished work here, so uh, looking forward to talking all things Celtic. So Sean's a, a big noise in the Sing Tims, CSC. Regulars of the show will recognise him because we had a pint together, didn't we, and filmed that bit of a blether at the Hearts game. That's that's right, Gav, yeah, and it was uh, good to be able to play that back so I could actually remember the conversation we had. Uh, quite a few pints in our Christmas dinner that night, so uh, yeah, good night indeed. Well, I was saying just before we came on, I now associate you with two games, Sean, the Hearts game and now Ross County. So I'm hoping our relationship can blossom in a more positive way. It can only go for us, Gavin. You're not wrong. Okay, so what are we going to be talking about today? First up, County Buzz. That's our review of the game. See what I've done there? A little bit of a clever play on words. Second, we're going to discuss the fact that we chose that game for some reason to do our first ever watch along. Myself and David sat and watched that game and discussed it and talked to people who were also, for some reason, watching us, watching that game. And we're going to talk about the window, how it's coming to a close and what that all means. We're going to have a quick look at them and see if things on the other side of town are worrisome or not. And then finally, Celtic socials. So that's the plan of action. Got lots of people in. Tons of people in the comments already. Please feel free to join in the comments. Say hello, Michael Ross. There's our boy Kaiser. Misery loves company. Say again. Misery loves company. Absolutely. All right. So where to begin, I suppose, is the question. Well, let's do it with the starting lineup. That's what we often do. Um, and Stephen. This starting lineup did this uh, portend a dull game for you, or were you fearing a dull game as you mentioned in the previous show? You were a bit worried. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I was fearing a dull game. I just sort of, I sort of caveated the sort of rampaging uh, optimism that was pervading, you know, most of the Celtic podcasts last week uh, on the back of some good form. Uh, before Christmas and, and a win over Rangers. And, and I just pointed out that the, the, the sort of game that we've typically struggled in this year 
it is one against the likes of Ross County, um, a team who on the face of it are just absolutely garbage with all sorts of problems, a manager who's lost his head um, and who seems to be deliberately trying to get the sack. Um, and my fear uh, was that they were going to come to Celtic and just offer absolutely nothing in an attacking sense and just sit with two banks of two banks of four uh, with a lone striker. Um, so that's exactly what happened. Um, now, the, the, the lineup itself only contained really one surprise for me, and that was the inclusion of Bernabe at left back. Um, I didn't see that coming to the fact, really, that he, he's not been anywhere near the team for the whole season almost. Um, and in fact, he's been struggling to even get onto the bench for a lot of games. So I, I didn't see that one coming. And I really did think it was probably unfair on him um, to throw him straight into the team like that after having so few minutes um, in, in the lead up to it and the games running up to it. So not surprisingly, he had a terrible game, um, probably one of our worst performers, but I'm sure we'll get into that in a bit. But that, that was really the only surprise from his starting lineup. That and the fact that the substitute bench is back to looking awful again, uh, with very little there that you could see could come on and make a difference. Although, uh, you know, Kuhn was there, the, the new signing, and um, I was looking forward to seeing what he offered. Uh, but apart from that, no real surprises with the lineup. Okay, so the game got underway. Our first game after a break, you can imagine Rogers talking about pace and tempo, Ian. Up and at him, straight from the off. Uh, is that how we started the game? Um, if I can just touch back on that lineup, because I think we need to just all now know that Scales is never going to play left back, because I think everyone was clamouring from left back. So I think we have to kind of put that to bed. I think we also have to be reminded of the Rogers, I'll say one thing and do another thing, talking about the need to play like our youth and promote people from the academy and frame wasn't even on that bench when it came to left back. So I think like that kind of set the tone. I was I thought Bernabeu was like a strange, a strange inclusion for a number of reasons. And yeah, you're right. I think you would hope that, you know, kind of quick start, um, like high tempo, press them. I mean, this is a team that's, you know, not one in the last five. Like, like Stephen said, the manager looks like he's trying to get the sack. That team must be low in confidence. And you thought after the the first minute, you were like, oh, this is, uh, you know, we've started quickly, we've got the goal, and we're just going to push on from there. And it was the the literal exact opposite. I mean, I feel for people that were late to their seats and missed that goal, because it was like 89 <laughs> minutes of misery for them with, with nothing. They missed, like, the only good thing in the game. So, yeah. Who's the snitch says watching that game would put a corpse in a coma? Well, unless you were watching the Celtic World Watch Along, which was scintillating stuff. Bernabe's clearly not at the levels required to play for Celtic. It's hard to argue. I don't know if it's true that we're not going to see lame scales at left back ultimately. That's the I, game, though. I, that's the that's the game because you know, and we can come on to discuss it. But I think Rocky and CCV are a better pairing. I think we've seen enough of Rocky to kind of see that he should be there. And this would have been the ideal opportunity to move out scales to left back to see if he could kind of deal with that position. I don't think he's got the pace for it, but that's always the big debate. And if you're not going to do it, this is the, the thing with that lineup. If you're not going to like play the youth or play scales at left back, 
in a game at home against a team that's not one in five, that's like fighting for relegation, that their manager's throwing them under the bus every opportunity, when are you going to do it? So if you're not going to do it then, I can't see when when you're going to do it. Well, let's focus on the positive for the time being, and that was the start of the game and Alistair Johnson's thunder bastard of a goal, Sean. Um, how much did you jump from your seat when that rocketed in? Yeah, it was a it was a great start, wasn't it? And you know, as the boys said, um, we really thought that was going to be a big kick on for the rest of the match. We were talking beforehand about just down the Singham Supporters Club, just uh, you know how good it would be to go out and put a marker now down for the second half of the season. How we've been traditionally strong, you know, in, in the second half of the season, and you know, particularly with uh, the Huns winning one of their games in hand, you know, just to show that you know we're going to keep it tough for them. So you know, for Johnson then come out and score after a minute you know it was a great start it was a good build-up I think it might have been perhaps maybe the only good piece of play that Burnaby had the whole game because if I remember correctly it was a it was a little back heel flick to him and he crossed it in and eventually it went to Johnston um you know and it was a, a bit of a bit of luck with the deflection um but yeah it was a good goal and I thought here we go uh obviously it didn't turn out to be that way it did not is it, is it too early for a musical break or uh because I've got an Alistair Johnson, one that's been in the vault for ages, and we haven't had a chance to play it because he's been absolutely gash all season. So we've never really got a chance to speak about him. And, you know, he scored a goal. Is that is that his first goal for us? I think he'd won last season. It was equally, yeah, equally so. equal quality. I think it was we're not deflecting. We're not going to be any more positive about Alistair Johnson and the, the show then, then we that's what I was gas, thinking so, so let's let's strike while Aaron is hot <clears throat> Alistair Johnson this is for you the boy who plays on the right side plays with passion and pride from Montreal his heart And when you see the fight in his eyes, you know that he can lead us. With his Canadian sound bites, he's loved by Niger. And his mom's from Newton Arts. There's not too many tins there. They would all be up in arms with the ever, ever set foot. AJ, 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 AJ. The boy who plays on the right side plays with passion and pride from Montreal his side. Short and sweet. There you go. Viewer number just took a dive, Gab, or went up. Who knows? <laughs> I think there may be a few people here for the first time thinking, what the fuck have we stumbled across here? What is this? Anyway, just a bit of entertainment to uh, attempt to brighten the, the dark. Yeah, so the first half, 
There was the goal. What else happened in the first half, Stephen? Remind me. Anything else? Oh, there was, of course. Well, you take it away. Tell us what happened. Yeah, we had the, you know, we had the particle um, situation of us um, missing a penalty, um, and then VAR ordering a retake, only for the penalty taker to do exactly the same thing again into exactly the same spot in the goals and, and missing it again, and um, that if anything summed up uh, what what was an absolutely mm-hmm. dreadful game. It was that passage of play. Um, you know, I, I don't have a pro- like unlike many people I've seen comment, commenting today. I don't really have a problem with a stop start run up, but you have to be good at it, and you have to be able to do it. It's, it's basically a a battle of wits with the goalkeeper. Um, he's waiting on you, signalling where you're going to put the ball, and you, the, the the penalty takers waiting on the goalkeeper to make a move to either side. So you have to be good, at it. and many 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 players all around the world do that. Um, and are very successful with that type of penalty. It's a very, very common way of taking a penalty. Now, unfortunately for us, Lewis Palmer is not one of them, um, and he's just dreadful at it. And that's like the third uh, or maybe even the fourth penalty he's missed this year doing that, this stop-start run-up, and, and he's just been outwitted by the Ross County goalkeeper. Now, if you're being outwitted by the Ross County goalkeeper and you get another chance to take the penalty, you do something different. You stick it in the corner or you hit it as hard as you can down the middle of the goals or, or something like that. You don't try the same thing again because you've already proved that he's got the, he's got the measure of you. So to me, Palmer should be, I, I think he should have been substituted shortly after that. It was such a disgraceful thing to do um, and, and, and so, so poor. So he shouldn't take another penalty for Celtic. It's as simple as that. Uh, we have to find someone else who's, who's, who's slightly better at penalties and just can, can learn something from, from ones that he's missed. But that was that was just disgraceful. I couldn't believe it. Sean, uh, you're wearing a Celtic training top, and I know on Mondays and Thursdays you're often playing football rather than talking BS about it. What's your penalty technique? Well, I'm a left-footer, and apparently left-footers can take penos. Um, I normally just run up, hit it as hard as it can, put the head down, normally right into the middle. Normally right into the middle, see, mm. I mean... That's an Irish way of saying it, I suppose. It was exceptionally annoying, wasn't it, Ian? What's your, what's your theory behind why we don't have a designated penalty taker and why Kyogre's... And we've talked about this before. I mean, we're going over old ground, but have you anything new to add to that conversation? I think the problem is, first of all, can I say with the penalty, I think it was ridiculous that the Ross County player didn't get a yellow card for a starting in Callum McGregor. Like any other game, <clears throat> that's a yellow card. But there was a series of uh, weird things, again, with the referee where he's not booking people and getting in the way of our play and stopping shots. You know, that's another discussion, but I just thought I'd bring it up. Um, I, I think with Pam, I'm going to defend him a little bit in general because he has taken a little bit of heat. He's an arrogant player, and that is both his blessing and his curse when it comes off and he's on form and the fans are on side. I think we will see the best of him. I think when things aren't going so well and there's a lot of pressure, I think that arrogance can come back to kind of bite him in the arse, which it did here, because he should not have... His arrogance means that he's putting it in the same place again. 
And the weirdest thing for me is the guy can smash in a free kick, whip something into the top corner. He's got all the ability to take a run-up and put that in pace in the top of the corner, and he's taking these daft run-ups. And obviously no one's telling him to stop doing it because of the penalties he's scored, there's been a couple that the keeper's almost got to as well. So it's not like he's been taking amazing penalties. But then you look at, I think, Kyogo uh, missed one or two, didn't he? I think McGregor's missed one or two because people are saying, why is the captain not taking up to step step up these? I, I would not. I find it weird that we don't like take them all at Lennox Town and then there's a standout penalty taker. I would like to think that that's taken place and there's just no standout and that's the, the problem. Uh, and the other thing that kind of makes it worse is with Juranovic, we had a guy who just put them in, you know, time after time uh, with pace and power and that's kind of in your, your recent memory about it. Okay, so what about the second half then? Who's going to talk us through the second half? Back to you, Sean. I can't remember much about the second half, to be honest, so refresh my yeah. memory. Yeah, you give me the tough question. Um, well, I, I think it was just more of the same. You know, Rodgers came out at the end and said, you know, it was a much a much stronger second half. I mean, the only real chance I remember though is uh, CCV off the corner. Um, a good header. It was good save by the keeper. Just stuck his hands out. But, you know, apart from that, we just really struggled to break down their, their low block and there was a lot of toil and a lot of sideways movement. Not real that intensity and tempo that you know that brendan was talking about so um and then of course then we we look at the last kind of five to ten minutes when of course the crowd are getting more anxious and how many times have we seen this at celtic park where all of a sudden we're, we're just under inexplicable pressure you know and there's a couple of chances there towards the end a weak shot kind of the heart's right which he he saved and he should have saved it and then uh the boy also had a chance in the half volley right towards the end which he he put over the bar so you know, it's that mentality thing, particularly we're trying to close out games in the last five or ten minutes. I think that, that that's what I've seen on uh, on Saturday. And, you know, arguably even against Rangers, it was a, it was the same thing, wasn't it? Um, so I don't know how we keep getting ourselves in those positions. But uh, that big game mentality uh, or that mentality to see games out comfortably, um, it, it wasn't there on Saturday night for sure. And, like, it's one thing for us to not be able to break down a low block and all that talk because of our poor passing and stuff. but. Plunge McNugget here is right. Ross County played decent football and were confident. How 100%. did we? How did we allow that to happen, Stephen? What What did we do wrong that created the circumstances for them to play well, be confident, knock it about, and nearly score? They did kind of deserved a point, really. If it wasn't for the penalties, well, I suppose. Of, there's a couple of things going. Uh, one is as a game drags on. Um, as Sean mentioned there, the crowd get get a bit uh, angsty. Um, the players start to panic, um, and things start to go a bit south from there. But also, all they do is stick a big man up front and just shell long clearances up to him. Um, and they always get a lot of joy against their defence in terms of holding the ball in um, and bringing into players into it. Now, teams out with uh, us, us in Rangers are. are, are you know, they're, they're pretty poor in the Scottish League, but they're very well coached. They spend a lot of time trying to work out what they what they do against Celtic to nullify nullify our threats. And, and you can see that Ross County had been working on that game plan. They just man-marked uh, Cal McGregor out of the game. They pushed everything wide um, and, and, and felt as if they could deal with any crosses into the box. Our product from our wide play was just so poor. 
uh, in terms both wingers were just awful, both fullbacks were just awful, um, and we got nothing at all from the wide areas. The amount of crosses that sailed over the over the goal out for a bike kick or even out for a throw in in some cases, just so bad, really really poor, and that's where our play fell down. And then towards the end, as Sean mentioned, they got their two chances, and I've watched. The one in particular where Jordan White should have done better, uh, he forced the save from Joe Hart. That all came from David Turnbull giving the ball away on the edge of Ross County box um, and Burnaby diving into a tackle and getting getting spun by their striker, by their, by their winger. Now, at least Turnbull actually made an effort to get back in and chase the guy down the park, but Burnaby just gave up. He just stopped running. He started jogging back. Um, Scales then dives in as well and gets done. Uh, and then the next thing we're short of numbers at the back, the, the guy gets a square ball to Jordan White and he should have scored. He definitely should have scored. And a, a better player would have put that away. Uh, and we'd have been probably, as you say, Gav, we'd have been deservedly getting one each. And, you know, in terms of positivity out of the game, that's the one thing we can be positive about. We, we won the game and we got the three points when we probably didn't deserve it. And certainly the performance didn't deserve three points. So I think teams just are just working us out far too easy just now. And the lack of quality off the bench, the lack of anybody able to come come on and make a positive difference to how the game's going is just absolutely killing us. Right, can I just pick up on that? I think we need to shake this. I think we're way past the positivity from taking the three points out of stuff. I know you're not making that point, Stephen, but I'm just saying, you know, now we can't say what well, the positive is that we took the three points because there was too many times at the end of the year they were like, oh, well, at least we get through, at least we get through. That's going to give, that's going to give with those sort of performances. I lost count the amount of times that Ross County getting behind the fullbacks. It was clear as day in the first half and hardly resolved in the second half. And that's worrying because, like you say, a better team is going to punish us. And I know Rogers himself said that we were better in the second half or kind of alluded to it. But I would say it was probably worse in the second half because that was a team that had had a halftime talk from Rodgers to pep them up and do some changes without the penalty miss and without Bernardo missing a sitter. So it was actually worse. And Ross County could be quite. So I thought the second half was was arguably worse because he'd had the team talk and Rodgers had the ability to make some of the changes. So I think it was worse the second half. And I, and I would I would ask the question um, back. What team at the end of that looked like they were low in confidence without a style of play in a relegation fight after not winning in five games? Which two, if you'd watched that 90 minutes, would you say were that team? I think some people would not be saying it's Ross County. Yeah, well, look, we all know the situation with the board and the window, and we're going to talk about that in due course. But it's not going to be the only thing we talk about. As the subject of this uh, live stream goes Rogers must deliver we need to talk about Brendan you know do we all think that we have a good enough squad that if managed correctly by an elite level manager should wrap this league up without too much trouble Sean should that happen with this squad of players Yes, I think so with the squad of players that we have at our disposal. That yeah, we should be looking to win the league. I'm not say we wrap it up uh, very, very as comfortably as you say. Um, you know, I think that you look at the momentum that that 
uh, the, the Huns have got. You know, I think they'll they'll win more games. They won't drop as many points. But I think you look at our players and our squad. Um, who have we lost since last year? You know, probably Jota is the biggest one who I don't think has been replaced in anywhere near in terms of quality. Um, I also think, you know, we've missed that depth in the centre of the park. Uh, you know, Hatate has been out for quite a while. We obviously lost Moy at the end of last season. And, you know, think back to how he performed in a lot of the games. He he provided that really good depth in the middle. So I think if we get Hatate back now after the Asian Cup, hopefully he can keep injury free. For me, he's still in, in the starting three. I'd still put him ahead of Bernardo, even though Bernardo's had a couple of good games. Um, you know, and then I look at obviously the centre back. If, if Rocky comes on and starts, you know, getting consistent running the team and performing, um, then I don't really see any reason uh, in terms of squad quality why we can't go ahead and win the league. I like how everyone's saying Rocky because they don't want to be accused of mispronunciation. Yeah. You've done your homework. <laughs> All right. Well, look, um, Stephen. Yeah, can I can I can I pick yeah. up on that just just there because we're talking uh, about like getting that squad of players like playing. I think you know if we do have a top manager with a defined style of play, as was proven in years previous, that regardless of the players, you're going to going to get momentum together and have a style of results. I don't want to talk about Ange because I know people get a bit annoyed about it. But under Ange, the style of play compensated for any deficiency in players. Yeah. We didn't play well every week and we didn't, you know, reach the highs and there were bad times. But at least we knew even if players that weren't good, like Bernabé coming into an Ange team, we wouldn't be as worried as Bernabé coming into a Rogers team because it was the defined style of play and the way we went at it. And I think if we accept that this team is kind of low in confidence, and there's a section of fans who are so disgruntled that they'll boo a 1-0 victory at home. Roger's post-match comments, because I don't know if we're, we're going to come on to those, but how does either of those comments help them get better? Because we're talking about him getting the most out of this team and can we win the league with these players? He's, he's creating a division with those post-match comments on a squad that's already low in confidence. And so even if we take those players at their absolute peak, it would be difficult, but we're almost like kneecapping them with talking about the division between the fans and it's been like that since I've arrived. And it gives players that want an excuse an excuse. It puts the fans against the board and the management and the players. And I just don't see, I just thought his post-match was pretty, pretty wild in that context if we're looking to get enough out of those players to, to win the league. Yeah, I wasn't going to talk specifically about his post-match comments, but you, you, other than the ones where he talked about the game, but you're right. I mean, th that's really not helpful. Uh, those things that he said about the, if it's not me, it's the board. If it's not the board, it's somebody else. As if the fans are always unhappy. But it, it sort of makes me wonder whether, you know, it ties in with the whole idea of, Brendan having a very different time scale than the fans. I mean, we're emotional, reactive. If he's looking at this as a three-year project or something, he's only had one window of his own. In his mind, maybe is he a lot calmer than how than much we is an offer for the Champions for? League qualification? How much is in, like if if that's his attitude, then he's been missing from the meetings, and the board have been missing from the meetings that this is a must-win league for finances because 
if Rangers do the unthinkable and win, finances are reset and it's back to dead zero. It doesn't really matter about a three-year plan because you're competing against someone who'll be able to kind of go up in the levels. And, and whatever you think about Rangers and their signings and the manager, he's getting a tune out of absolute dross consistently. And if he gets better players, who knows what he can do? Well, the way I wanted to approach this bit of the conversation was to refer back to what Stephen asked last week when we were talking to Michael about his interviewing of players and managers and what question would he like to ask. And Stephen asked the question to Rogers or chose his question to be to Rogers, and it would be, why have you come back? Now, you've probably all seen Matt McGlone's uh, tweet. Friend of the show, Matt McGlone. There has to be a Brendan thought process here. What I'm trying to get my head around is why he came back. If you were him, you most certainly wouldn't come back to the same transfer situation as before. So if nothing substantial happens by Wednesday, what's Roger's position in it all? That's the question, right? And then there's a bunch of answers. Uh, I wonder should we look at these answers and see to what extent we agree with them? Or we'll discuss them one by one. These are ones that I've selected, right? Brendan's comments were illuminating. He's upset at the situation and his ego wasn't pleased at the booze at the end, to your point, Ian. He and Cal Mack sold a win's a win and three points all that matters. I still think next week we will bring in two more players as the tension rises and to save face all round. Stephen, do you go along with that sentiment and hope? No, no not at all. And, you know, the simple fact of the matter is I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know why Brendan Rodgers came back and I don't know what his thought process is. Um, I'm entirely in line with what Matt McGlone's saying there. It, it just it beggars belief that we're back in this situation again uh, with cl funds clearly being withheld from the team. Um, and you would almost swear that someone was deliberately trying to undermine the manager, which is pretty much exactly what happened during Brendan's first spell at the club. Um, now, I agree with what was said about Brendan's uh, post-match interview, and I'm a I'm a big Brendan Rodgers fan. I was delighted when he came back. I thought we had we had struck gold uh, in the post-Ange period, um, but his, his interview after the game was deeply worrying and troubling, um, and he seems to be like hitching his wagon to the board uh, in any future conflict with the fans, which is surely coming down the road, um, and in that there's only going to be one winner. Uh, Brendan has no goodwill with the fans built up. Um, there was pl plenty of fans didn't want him back at all. Uh, plenty accepted him back uh, under duress. Um, and a lot of people are just waiting on the first thing to go wrong and, and they'll just go for the throat and savage him. So listening to that interview by Brendan Rodgers, and this is coming from a guy who likes Brendan Rodgers, I, think, I don't think he's got long left in the, in the role. I think he'll be gone potentially within a matter of weeks. Um, I think the situation is now as untenable as it was the first time around. Um, and, and he's not he's not doing himself any favours with, with, uh, with that sort of interview. Um, wow. I think he's just annoyed and frustrated. I don't think he wants to go down the same road again, but complaining about transfers coming in. Otherwise, you know, it's just a, a load of the same old, same old stuff. Um, and it's going to reflect badly on him. Uh, but I would love to have half an hour in a room with Brendan and just chat to him and say, what did every, what did the Celtic deputation who came to Mallorca to your absolutely lovely holiday home there, 
What did they say to you? What did they promise you? What, what was the assurance he's given to you? And has it have people gone back in their world? Because it just, what's happening just now just doesn't make any sense at all. Okay. Well, let's keep reading these comments. Here's the next one. A window that has Asia Cup and African Cup of Nations ongoing. Two massive markets for us. He signed for three years, six windows. The CCV deal is long-term planning. Calm down, everyone. <laughs> you should is remember the 90s. You, you should remember the 90s more than most, Matt. Now, for the sake of balance, I'm going to come to Sean for this because I don't want to put words in Sean's mouth. But I think perhaps Sean takes a longer-term view of these things. Sean, are you... Yeah. I don't know. I, I always try to look at it. Um, I'm always very wary of <clears throat> overreacting, you know, particularly when we're not doing well or or particularly in a January transfer window. I think if you look at these things historically, um, look, we know that if Celtic or any club, it's notoriously difficult to get quality in. And um, I think our, our squad, as we've addressed here earlier on, is, is big. And, you know, there's not uh, the depth of quality which we would want. And for me, it's I would hate to go down the road of just getting two players in this week just for the sake of getting two players in, even if it was a left back and a goalie, if they're not the required quality. Um, you know, lots of clubs were were the same. You know, Atletico came in for for Matt O'Reilly. There's other clubs sniffing around. There's no way in that we want to lose him. And other clubs will be the same for players that we're after as well. Um, so I think we we have to acknowledge what what the January the reality of the January transfer window uh, is. Um, I'm not saying that that you know is the is the reason for you know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, I you know you, you hear a lot of stuff across all social media, and you know I've had a few crackers this week that have come through in WhatsApp groups and stuff about what's allegedly happening behind the scenes at Celtic Park. So I think you you need to take everything a little bit with a pinch of salt. And um, you know if we manage to get another player in and and they're of the quality, then I'm all for that. Um, but I, I think really summer is where you get your your quality business done. And if if we look back at you know probably the Angier in, in in the first two windows, he did remarkably well. I think he benefited obviously from his direct knowledge of of Japan, and that's how we got the the three boys in right at the start of the of the January transfer window. But you know historically, you look at it not just the Celtic and other clubs as well. It's um it's very rare now that clubs are going out and buying rafts of players during this time. Well, there's a lot of conflicting views here. Look at Frank there. Cam Dune, Fafissa. Rogers is no going in a matter of weeks, Fafissa. But for sure, if he loses us the league and the 60 million quid that goes with it, then yes, he certainly won't be with us next season. Plunge McNugget. Rogers was forced out the door last time, and it's happening again. And it's all down to paid well. Back to these comments. Here's one more positive one uh, yeah. before we return to what everyone prefers. He and the board think longer term than most fans, and it would seem yourself. This is in response to Matt's original tweet. Summary was only in the door, so probably needed time to assess squad. This window, it's hard to sign players at right price who will improve team. Lack of signings is frustrating, but have patience. It's long-term project. That's Mark, who doesn't like using the word the or a. Uh. But, uh, okay, so that's a more if positive just, one. If I could just jump in there, Gav. Um, yeah, go ahead. Anybody say you know there's not a lot of teams signing um, signing players in January? Yeah, that, that, that's true up to a point. But there is a team across the city who are signing plenty of players. Now you can argue 
you know, whether whether these guys are, are the quality that we'd be looking at or not. But it, it, it makes a nonsense of claims that you can't you can't sign players in January. And we've also done it ourselves in previous January transfer windows. Uh, in some cases, we've had the players in before the windows even open. Um, so it's just not true. And there are very few clubs in Europe in the same financial situation as us, i.e. with a huge pile of excess cash just sitting there. And if there was any of these clubs in a in a race, a two-horse race for a title, which is neck and neck now, no matter what anybody says, it's a 50-50 shot whether we win the league or not. And to be sitting there with the, the guts of 100 million in cash and just refusing to spend it on a single player to improve the squad. And I, I really don't care about the size of the squad. That's not my concern. That's the concern of the recruitment team who recruited a big bunch of cheap players in the summer who are not up to the standard required to play for Celtic. Now, they need to deal with that, but that shouldn't be an impediment to us bringing in quality. Rogers was vocal in saying before the window opened, he thought we were four quality players short, right? Well, we've signed one who, I don't know if you can describe him as the sort of quality that Brendan was talking about. Only Brendan can really answer that. But we're still waiting on these four quality players. So has Rogers changed his mind? I don't think so. I think he he will be frustrated and he will be disappointed. Um, and it's it's just it's one excuse after another you can see coming through in these tweet replies about how difficult it is in January. And I'm sick hearing it. To be honest with you, I'm yeah, sick I, hearing I, it. Stephen, with the Kuhn thing, with the Kuhn thing, Kuhn even alluded to in his interview that it took about a week longer because of other issues, which was reported that we were haggling over like 200k with all that money. Kuhn could have been in a week earlier to get integrated into the squad and stuff like that. And that won't be an isolated incident. Do you know what I mean? The guy, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I'm going to murder his name, Gavin. It seems like we were haggling over him in the summer. His value has now gone up because he's had a, mm. a, a good season and the team's in the title race. And he's now well, seemed to be haggling over it again. What happens if they win the league? Will we be able to afford him or will he go to some... Uh, English fodder. So with this, people, I think, look, I, I think I'm maybe a little bit negative and I can appreciate that, but I do think there is a section that kind of need to wake up because the same things are being repeated and under Ange, they were kind of papered over because he had the style of play and he really did work with, with what he had. Um, I don't know if Rogers is going to go in the next couple of weeks, but I can tell you, if he doesn't get his players in this window and then we drop points in the next three tough away games, I wouldn't put it you know, I wouldn't rule it out because it's going to be utter, utter chaos if quality isn't brought in and we drop points in a couple of the games. It'll be this this will be mild in compared to how it could be in two or three weeks. Jeez oh. Okay, let's go back to this last one of these. I think it's the last one. In answer to the question, why did he come back? Richard Murphy says, I reckon he wanted to redeem himself, figured it would be a doddle again. Since found that he's having to work twice as hard to win over support, and despite what the board might have said regarding funds, we don't have the infrastructure or right people in charge of recruitment. Does that hit the nail on the head for anyone? Yeah, I mean, that mixed with his arrogance. Absolutely, I, I think I think the club is is completely bereft of, of talent. Uh, it's completely bereft of vision, 
Uh, and I think, you know, leave Brendan Rodgers out of this for a minute. Um, I think we're completely bereft of any ideas about how to take the club forward. We just have no one there. Uh, the club is obsessed with continuity. It's obsessed with maintaining the status quo. Uh, and we just don't know what to do. We don't know how to attract players that are slightly better than the, or a lot better than the ones we have here. We don't know how to spend money in anything other than the two to three million price bracket. We have no strategy for increasing that. And if you keep signing players in the, the same price bracket, it's it's absolutely clear that season on season, the quality of players that you're signing is going to decline uh, because you're paying the same money and you're getting less for your money year on year. We are still paying the same money we were five and six years ago. So obviously the quality of the signings is going to decline. Uh, the first sort of person we had in the club who looked as if he had any ideas for something fresh was Don Mackay. Uh, and he was chased out the door after a month or so. So we have no one there. If anybody can can tell me someone who involved or employed with the club who has a, a track record in improving sporting organisations or developing sporting organisations or, you know, growing um, transfer strategies or anything like that or managing scouting networks, we just don't have anyone and it's all built on nepotism and cronyism. Um, and, and until we until we sort that out, I really don't see how things are going to improve. And how we sort it out is a mystery to me. I just don't know the answer to that. I mean, if you look, I know we don't like to do it, but if you look across the city, they've bought in a sporting director or whoever it is from one of the Dutch clubs that have a good history of all that. We've brought in the chairman's son. I mean, like that's that's you know it's base form. That's what it is. They've gone to a Dutch model with a proven track record, and we've gone which family member is available, or this one that's worked with Man City that's spoken with Ange a couple of times will pam off as as Ange wanted him because it's becoming more and more apparent um, that that it's that it's not working, and you're not gonna you're not gonna sack your son, are you? Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like uh, this will be one for the UK people, but they've brought back gladiators, and Bradley Walsh has got his son the job, and his son's absolutely terrible. He'll be there as long as that show's there, and I get the feeling that Mark Lowell might be at Celtic as long as uh, as, as Peter is. In answer to Kaiser's question, it's my neighbour's dogs that are going mental, so I'm going to share this, and Stephen's going to read it. I might need to put my glasses on for this one. Can you make that a little bit bigger? I'll take it over. Okay, so I'll do Celtic it. Fans. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. No, I said, seeing so many Celtic fans out there slating Rangers for the business they've done this window, it absolutely blows my mind. Rangers have signed three young and very exciting talents who will drastically improve the squad whilst we're sat here with zero intention of signing anyone. Mohamed Diomante is one of the most exciting prospects in all, not just Danish, but Scandinavian football, and Celtic fans are slating them for it. Don't get it. I really don't. If we made that signing, I'd be absolutely buzzing. Rangers' scouting system is so much more exciting than ours. It is unreal. So, Sean, uh, I told you before or yesterday when we were doing the sound check that I'd do my best to keep it positive today. How's it going so far? Yeah, I say we're, say we're probably about 50-50, aren't we? Yeah, so look, we don't know much about these players that they're buying, right? But they're buying players. They're getting people in the door. Uh, 
he, he seems to be quite highly rated, that Diomande. And now they're talking about this guy, Jeff de Vital, a Brazilian left back, and Oscar Cortez, a Colombian right winger. We, we, at least there's we, things we happening annoyed. there. No, yeah, I know at least there's things happening, but we do have to take the context of we'd be annoyed if this was the quality that was coming in based on Roger's comments. Diomanda is like a, a different one. He is like, but then that maybe falls under the prospect category. I think the real reason that people are annoyed is that they are bringing players in and uh, Baldemort, I, you know, <laughs> it looks like he's able to get a tune out of like rubbish players. So any players with potential is a fear that he actually might bring, kind of make them better and that team might get better. But I think for us, if we were signing the guy from Lawns um, and the, the Brazilian guy, I don't think we'd be happy with that. Enough people were already critical of Kuhn. Um, so I just don't think we'd be happy with that. Diamanda is a, a different one, but it's a, it's a potential signing, which apparently we're not making anymore. Yeah, it was interesting to see the guy describing Diamandi there as the as the best prospect in Scandinavian football. But I thought that was Odin Tiago home. Um apparently when we signed him. So like Or Lagabielka. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't really think that there's anything really to worry about uh, in the guys they've signed, albeit I, I don't know much about any of them. Uh but I think it's just a, as as Ian rightly said there, it's the fact that they're trying to be proactive. And addressing issues with a squad, and let's not forget here, their squad's bigger than ours. They have more players in a first team squad than us. They've just came off the back of a dreadful window where they signed up a whole load of terrible players. Um, but that's not stopping them signing more players and trying to address the problems in their team. Now, whether they're successful or not uh, with the guys they're signing, who knows? Any transfer can be a success or a failure. But if you don't sign anyone, then you're not going to improve. If you have it, if you identify that problem in your team, like we all have, we're, we're so short in positions like left back. We're so short of a, a backup goalkeeper to Joe Hart, and we're so the only reason we've got any kind of striker available to us at all is because the Japanese manager didn't pick Kyogo for the Asian Cup. Can you imagine the state we'd be in if he had? Because I mean, that was a surprise. Everyone thought Kyogo was going to the Asian Cup. We'd be sitting here with, with Rocco Vata playing at centre forward for us. You know, and that's something that's completely out with our control. That's something that our external manager decided not to do and has benefited us. And there's ju and it just all smacks of a complete lack of forward planning. Here's somebody saying that that Celtic fan 67 that I quoted isn't really a Celtic fan. It's Red I think there's a lot. Of, I, there's a lot of that going about now. There's like board apologists going around, or there's you're not a Celtic fan. People who booed weren't Celtic fans. They weren't real Celtic fans, even though it was like highly audible to everyone. They all weren't Celtic fans, apparently. So I think there's a lot of it. I'm not saying Red Scotland's wrong. I'm just saying I think there's a lot of it going around. Going around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, at least they lost Seema, who was seemingly their only decent player in the first half of the season. Uh, certainly, their only source of goals other than Tav Pen. Yeah, but he's getting a tune out of all the players, and they are just consistent. And the difference, the difference between Rangers and Celtic at the moment, um, is that teams are still afraid of Rangers. Like the, the, uh, there was last season, teams thought they could go and they could take points off of Rangers, but they know they're just kind of this boring 
long ball, relentless, penalty-winning machine that they have to combat with us. They're turning up like Ross County to Celtic Park and thinking, actually, we can get in behind these full-backs, pin guys up and thing, and we've got a chance of getting a result. And that's teams at the bottom. The fear factor is, is, is gone for us. So that's another big concern. I think the problem is really, for my, to my mind, not that they're getting better. It's that we're just getting consistently worse, and we have been for ages. We're, we've got so bad now that Rangers are in the title hunt. That's what's happened. Yeah, but question, I've seen games against us, Gav. They've they've uh, they've got more points than us. Like, and yeah, they've, they've know, hardly dropped points. But but it's our disimprovement that means there's a title race on now. The big question is, how big is it going to be? For us to have Cameron Carter Vickers back injury free, to have Hatate coming back, you know, a part of me, I'm worried about Rogers, but a part of me does think, you know, he hasn't had the full hand to play with, you know, because he's never really had all his best players fit. And CCV and Hatate are fundamental. We forget it's, it's a hard job to get Celtic playing without those two. Sean, how big a news is it that CCV's? signed a new contract, and seemingly injury-free. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think all Celtic fans, when they seen that news, whenever it broke, was it on Saturday or maybe Sunday that he'd, he'd signed? Uh, it was a, maybe before the game that he signed the contract. That, that, that was massive because, you know, there was definitely news of clubs sniffing around after him. And I don't think any of us would have been surprised if, a you know, a solid bid came in that he might have been on his way Um yeah, he's he's been one of those signings that you know from the Angier that's just come along and um, you know being a journeyman, he's just seemed to find his place right, and he's he's just developed into into the rock of the team. Um, you know, he's a fantastic defender, and you know to get players of that caliber who are you know willing to commit uh, for a few seasons longer. Like I doubt very much he'd be here for another five and a half years, but you know um, at least another season or two. So I think that's that's massive. And I don't know if anyone caught the um, incredibly insightful interview on Celtic TV where we learned three fascinating things. One, he's happy to sign a new contract. Two, he's enjoyed his time here. And three, he's looking forward to the future. So hold the front page. It's amazing what a pro interviewer like Jerry McCullough can tease out of people, isn't it, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, it's insightful, isn't it? I mean, I've watched a few of Cameron Carter Vickers interviews and, you know, he's not the most... Um, he's, he's not the most willing participant. He's got a touch of the Aaron Moyes, I think, uh, about interviews. So, um, you know, Jerry McCulloch is a, a pretty terrible broadcaster, but he had his work cut out for him there. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad he signed a new contract. Uh, for the point of view that if we had tried to sell him this this transfer window or even in the summer, I don't think his value is at its peak at the moment, coming coming off a very injury disrupted season. Um, and, and I think the, some of the figures getting getting kicked around that we might get for him uh, were, were very, very optimistic. So I, I think he's worth more to us in the team than he is than, than what we'd have, we'd have got from selling him. So for that point of view, I'm happy he signed a new deal. And I think, um, getting back to your earlier point, I think it will make a difference when the Asian Cup's finished. Hitati is a quality player and will make a difference coming back into the team, even if he's playing off the bench. Um, it, it, it takes David Turnbull one step away from, from getting any minutes. Um, and I think also Dyson Maeda, uh, for all he's criticised, um, I think he does make a difference uh, in helping out either fullback, depending on what side he's playing on, 
um, in a defensive sense. So I think both those players will make a big difference when they come back. But I still worry about the striking situation because um, I don't think O uh, has got it in him to replace Kyogo for any any length of time or any any number of games. Right, well, getting back to CCV there, you're right to point out that he's not much of an interviewee. Uh, and I'm not sure whether it's Jerry McCullough or the other wee young smiley guy that is worse. You know, his pitch. No, the smiley guy's good. I'm smiley guy CSC. I like, I mean, no. well, I'm all for the smiley guy. Jerry McCullough, though. You I might mean... change your mind after you've heard this exclusive interview that we have between smiley guy and Cameron Carter Vickers, in fact. Check this out. So, Cameron, Celtic TV, another convincing win and a clean sheet. How pleasing was today's performance? Yeah, no, 100%. It was a good test, uh, and you can expect that. But, yeah, we defended well, and our attacking players got the goal, so it's good. Another goal for Kyogo. How much did he mean to the team? Yeah, no, 100%. He's on great form. You know, always manages to be on the spot, finishes well, so, to be fair. And the fans made a lot of noise out there. How much does that help? Yeah, no, 100%. Great atmosphere, like always is. Very helpful to the players. So, collective effort, you know? Just one more question. Oh, please, man, can I just go? Oh, it's just a wee question. Another wee smarmy Celtic TV softball, starting with the words, how pleasing, how happy, or how much are you looking forward to? Nah, come on, man, I hate this. I just want to get into the changing room with the boys. Not stand here talking to some bland, cheesy bastard with a microphone. I'm out. Oh, Cameron, don't be like that. Cameron. Cameron. Wow, there you go, an exclusive. <laughs> oh, everyone's muted. I muted everyone. Hold on, not hearing any of the feedback. No, that guy's like our youth prospect. He approaches it with like a good deal of positivity. He's learning his craft. Jerry McCulloch's in about 30 years and he's terrible. He's absolutely, he's awful. I don't think he can be, I think the guy's name's Ryan. Someone's put in the comments. I'm, I'm all for Ryan. I think he's got a bit of positivity. He's learning his craft. He's like a youth prospect. Um, if you're going to have a go at anyone, it's got to be Jerry McCulloch. And he did some uh, he did some great wee travel logs uh, when Celtic were down here in Australia, um, which I very much enjoyed. He was doing the he was doing the sites of Sydney and putting wee videos up on the on the Celtic website. So I very much enjoyed that. But I'm with Ian. Leave wee smiley guy alone, Gav. Well, it wasn't me. That was just an exclusive interview between Smiley Guy and CCV. <laughs> All right, well, at least that puts a wee smile on our faces, makes us a bit more smiley guy. All right, so uh, why don't you talk amongst yourselves while I set up Celtic socials? If you have anything more to say before we move on to those about any of the subjects we've been discussing, I'll throw that nothing, in. Nothing positive. <laughs> Someone did ask me the question. They said, if we hadn't got that deflected goal, would the booze have come at half time? I think the booze would come at halftime. Sean, you're saying you're positive. Do you think we'd have gone in without any audible booze had we been nil-nil with that performance? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think maybe the booze would be reserved for the end. 
I don't. I, I'd be surprised. We you reckon we boot him off at half time? I think it's getting to that. I think it's getting mm. to that stage. I think it was that bad, and there were so many poor performances. And then had that happened, I would have been worried about us even getting the result because the confidence would have taken a taken a right bashing. Mm. Given the mm. fact that not long before half time, um, Joe Hart made an absolute arse of a corner, um, and then he hit the bar. Um, you know that that would have been fresh in the in the minds of the fans. So I think it would have been. Yeah, I agree. I think it would have been toxic. Uh, and I don't think you know. Just get back to something something I said earlier about Brendan being gone in, in a matter of weeks. I, I do actually believe that. And I think if we lose any ground to Rangers in the title race and we keep turning in performances like this, the atmosphere will turn toxic very very quickly at Celtic Park. And when that happens, we've seen it during the COVID season. Um, it's very, very difficult to turn things around. Um, and if we lose the league uh, to this Rangers team uh, and sacrifice the, the the new format Champions League money, uh, then I think, you know, as well as Brendan Rodgers will go for sure. Uh, that will take care of itself. It, it, you just can't retain your job under those circumstances. Uh, but I think there'll be, there'll be much unrest among the fans, mainly directed towards our current chairman. Okay, let's uh, move it on then to our Celtic social media choices. This is yours, Ian. Would you like to talk us through it? Yeah, it's, just, it's always funny to see a Rangers fan getting tackled and falling over. So you're asking for some positivity, and I think this was the this was the positivity. Someone in the comments put dive, and I said, well, yeah, he probably thought he was playing for his team. Bosh. See you later. <laughs> this goes down slowly as well, doesn't he? He's bought it. Well, it's like Cantwell, isn't it? It's like a slightly larger Cantwell with less hair. I think he left a leg in there. <laughs> Very good. And this is, oh, this is an interesting one. This is Stephen. Talk to us about mm. this. Yeah, so this is a this is a picture dating back to 1988, um, and it's a picture of the newly formed Irvine Number One Celtic Supporters Club, uh, which I was a member. Um, now, in this picture, you, you can't make me out, but I am at the back. Um, you can just see the top of my head, um, and we're here. I was uh, 19. See that again. Just trying to work out where you are. We can't see anything of your face. Yeah, nah, it's just the top of my head. Um, you, you would swear it, you know, there, there's no way of telling it was me, but I was there. I do remember the day that picture was taken. I was 19, um, so many, many years ago. Um, the picture was posted um, on Twitter there by a guy called Pat Quinn, um, who's got a very interesting story to tell as well. Mm. Pat was the founder member of the, the Use No um, Celtic Supporters Club which was based on Sakhalin Island, um, which is an island just off the east coast of Russia, um, where, where Pat was working at the time. So uh, Pat's a, a good mate of mine from, from back in the day. And, um, and yeah, it was, a good, it was good to see that old photograph. I've seen that a few times down through the years. It always makes me laugh. Well, it was good that you said that because I had it all teed up to, to show people where Sakhalin is. It's this Russian island north of... Japan, 
And as you say, that's where Patrick Quinn is, if you hover with this. Founder member of the If Yous Know the History. Uh -huh. Uh, see what he's done there? It's a fantastic so there's a guy who, that, isn't it? There's a guy who likes a little jeu de mots, and he lives in an interesting place, and he set up a CSC. Surely he's a perfect profile for a Celtic world. Patrick, so. if you're watching, I have just sent you the link to this little snippet to see if you'd be interested in coming on. Because it does sound like you've got a very interesting tale to tell. And uh, the urban, the urban number one Celtic supporters club started in the mid in the mid eighties in the town of Irvine, which is not a place very well known for for Celtic fans. It's it's a very Rangers dominated town, uh, but it went from strength to strength all through the nineties, through the, the dreadful period for Celtic. They were taking four supporters buses up to games, up to away games. Uh, and they actually had the foresight to uh, invest a bit of money in, a, in a, a social club. They bought an old snooker hall, or they took the lease on for an old snooker hall, uh, and set up an actual Celtic supporters club there, which is this there to this day. Um, and there's many, many buses when Celtic are played down in Kilmarnock, drop in there for the day. Um, and if you happen to be in the, the Irvine Number One Celtic Supporters Club, if you look at the engraved plaque on the wall, you will see my name engraved there uh, as a founder member. There you go. If you know your history, it involves Stephen and Irvin, number one. I forgot to show something there, which was in response to yours, Ian. You were showing a, an official being taken out. What's the best example of that that we can remember? I... I... I was going to make a joke, but it's probably just... Uh, well, jokes aren't allowed on this no, channel. No, no, no. I was going to say, like, uh, maybe it was Hugh Dallas in 99 or whatever. That's, what I, was I was going, that's what I was going to say. Surely not. <laughs> no, I had more in mind this. That's the greatest comedic fall you've ever seen, is it not? That's the correct answer. <laughs> yes, it's certainly less divisive, even though it was that uh, neo-Nazi doing it, mm -hmm. who we all loved once upon a time, or most of us did. All right. Okay, well, on that comedic note, I think we'll wrap it up. We, I think, gave a good airing to the issues, but had a few laughs along the way, and that's the whole point of a Celtic world, is it not, Sean? Absolutely. Enjoyed it tonight, boys. Thanks very much. Well, thanks for being with us. And thank you, Ian, of course, and Stephen as well. Welcome, and to everyone in the comments, loads of people. 900 strong on the live stream. Not quite. <laughs> Not quite, but loads of people in. So uh, thanks for participating. There's so many opinions out there. And, you know, there's a truth in them all. You know, whether you're a positive outlook or a negative outlook, I see truth in almost everything I read. And I'm just trying to keep myself more positive than negative, but it's an uphill task at the moment. But we'll have to see how things work out. And we look forward to Thursday, and we'll catch up with everyone then. Okay? So, hail, hail. Here we are.